Welcome to Catholic Connection with Teresa Tamio, keeping you connected to your faith and your world. Teresa tackles the issues of faith and culture, the pro-life message, and media awareness. And now, here's Teresa Tamio. On a Monday, January 22nd, this is in the Catholic Church a day of prayer for the legal protection of the unborn. And of course, today is also the 51st anniversary of that decision, Roe v. Wade in 1973 decision, thanks be to God, that was overturned in 2022 by the highest court of the land. A horrible, dreadful decision that gave us abortion on demand through nine months of pregnancy and has taken the lives so far of 62 million babies, not to mention the massive fallout on so many levels in so many different areas of life, whether it be mental health, whether it be domestic situations, whether it be violence in families, all of these are addictions. So many things can be traced to post-abortion issues and so many people don't know that nor do they know the sheer number of lives that have been lost in impact and that's why we are your pro-life radio tv network and i was proud to be there for ewtn to cover the march for life in dc on friday and then saturday it was a walk for life west coast in both areas if you watch the coverage not exactly a walk in the park, quite frankly, because the weather in Washington on Friday was very, very tough, especially for camera crews and all of us outside all day. But we do it because we come together in a selfless way to speak up for those who can't speak for themselves. And so if you didn't see any of the coverage, of course, you can watch it on EWTN's Facebook page. We have a link to it on my Facebook page. And it re-aired both marches several times over the weekend. But just go to EWTN.com for more information and some really great stories on the register and Catholic News Agency about the different groups and the beautiful signs that some of these young people make that are so creative and so beautiful in terms of their statement tied directly into the theme for this year with every woman for every child. So thanks to my crew behind the scenes and in front of the camera, the others who worked with me there. It was a great day and I was honored to serve as one of the field correspondents again for the March for Life. And we'll continue Our pro-life discussion today on this, uh, of course, the day of prayer for the legal protection of the unborn. That comes later in the program. But first, I have the honor and the privilege, I guess, kind of, I have to say this because we tease each other all the time, of interviewing Dr. Ray Gorendi. His latest book, Standing Strong, Good Discipline Makes Great Teens. He and I are going to be leaving on Friday for the Good News Marriage Cruise And we'll be broadcasting live next week. At least two Catholic Connection shows will be live from the cruise ship, The Adventure of the Seas. Wonderful speakers such as Father Mike Schmitz and our chaplain will be Archbishop Nauman. It's going to be a great week and we'll bring you a lot of the coverage and that will start uh, on, let's see, Friday we have a pre-night with Kimberly and Scott Hahn and then the cruise starts on Saturday and then we'll be with you live, I believe, next Tuesday, so a week from tomorrow. But we'll still have shows all week, obviously, but two of them will be actually live from the ship, which is pretty cool. We have the technology, as they say. After Dr. Ray Grendy, as promised, our pro-life discussion with Camille Pauly. She's president and co-founder of Healing the Culture. Their pro-life group is launching Forbidden Discussions, a video series targeting Gen Z and abortion. And then we wrap up with Gail Buckley and our scripture verse for the week. So weather-wise, what's happening? Well, freezing rain is producing ice accumulations and will continue through tonight across portions of the plains, the Mississippi Valley, and the Ohio Valley. Heavy rainfall and thunderstorms will develop across the Gulf Coast and lower Mississippi Valley today through Thursday, even with some flooding possible in parts of the country. Meanwhile, an active weather pattern continues on the West Coast with heavy rain and mountain snow expected. And the folks in San Francisco on Saturday, the Walk for Life, huge success, but a ton of rain. We had snow, and they had lots of rain, but we continued to march for life. Amen to that. Right now, it's four minutes past the hour. You are listening to EWTN, your pro-life radio network. Let's get started with the news. While tens of thousands of pro-life supporters marching in the nation's capital on Friday for the 2024 March for Life, Penn State student Dominic Tolentino addressed the crowd. I've been given the privilege to talk to you all on this amazing day that will happen every year until abortion is made unthinkable in this country. And Michigan head football coach Jim Harbaugh making a surprise appearance on Friday. It's a great day. This is football weather. Let's go. 
Meanwhile, Democrats are starting up an abortion rights campaign this week on the 51st anniversary of Roe v. Wade. That court's decision brought the decision of abortion back to the states. Vice President Harris will be in Wisconsin to talk about what the Biden campaign calls a Republican assault on reproductive rights. She'll be joined by Joe Biden tomorrow in Virginia for another rally. Jim Forbes tells us a Catholic organization says six nuns who were traveling on a bus in Haiti were kidnapped on Friday. Officials say the nuns are from the country's Congregation of the Sisters of St. Anne. Other people on the bus were allegedly taken as well. No victims have been described or identified. The president of the Haitian Conference of the Religious says there are too many kidnappings in Haiti, and that's filling people's souls with, quote, sadness and fear. Pope Francis inaugurating a year of prayer ahead of the 2025 Jubilee, calling on the faithful to intensify prayer to prepare us to live well. This event, he says, of grace and to experience the power of God's hope. In remarks after the Angelus yesterday, the Holy Father explaining the year of prayer is dedicated to rediscovering the great value and absolute need for prayer, prayer in personal life, in the life of the church, and in the world. He also added the Dicastery for Evangelization will be preparing materials to assist in celebrating the Jubilee year. Israeli President Netanyahu doubling down on his disapproval of a two-state solution with Palestine. After a phone call with Joe Biden over the weekend, he again said that after Hamas is destroyed, Israel must retain security control over Gaza. He then went on X and said Israel must take control of the entire area west of the Jordan River. The U.S. and the United Kingdom are still pushing for a two-state solution. South Carolina Republican Senator Tim Scott endorsing Donald Trump for president. We need a president today who will stop the crime and recklessness in the streets. We need a president who will restore law and order. We need Donald Trump. Scott making the announcement on Friday at Trump's rally in New Hampshire. Scott claiming Trump will close the southern border and make foreign adversaries afraid of America. He also said Trump will protect Social Security and lower taxes. With this move, Scott is snubbing fellow GOP hopeful and Nikki Haley from South Carolina. In response to the endorsement, Haley said it was interesting. Trump's aligning himself with Washington insiders when he claimed he wanted to drain the swamp. Meanwhile, Florida Republican Governor Ron DeSantis now suspending his presidential campaign. In a video posted on X over the weekend, he explained what led to that decision. I can't ask our supporters to volunteer their time and donate their resources if we don't have a clear path to victory. DeSantis telling supporters he would win in Iowa ended up losing there by 30 percentage points to the former president, who he is now endorsing. His announcement came just ahead of tomorrow's New Hampshire primary. The U.S. military is ending a 10-day search for two Navy SEALs who went missing in the waters of the Gulf of Aden. The two are now presumed dead with recovery operations underway. And as we mentioned, warmer temperatures are forecast for much of the country this week. Meteorologist Michelle Grossman warning it's still likely going to stay very wet in several places as snowy conditions in the recent cold snap are likely to swap out with rain. We're looking at some really heavy rain over the next three days along the Gulf Coast, the South Central states. We're looking up to 10 inches of rain over the next three days. In some parts of the South, highs could reach into the 60s and 70s just a week after record cold temperatures. Katie Gray tells us that over a dozen Georgia lawmakers are now expressing concerns about police using facial recognition software arguing it may violate civil rights. Georgia lawmakers are pressing for regulations around police use of facial recognition software. Atlanta News First reports many of them arguing that these programs aren't fully reliable, citing studies that show that the technology is twice as likely to misidentify black and Asian faces. In error, Georgia Representative Terry Cummings says, We literally have somebody's freedom in your hands and and their lives. And when you make those mistakes, it has lifelong consequences. Georgia Senator Raphael Warnock also says funding for the software may lead to violations of the Title VI of the Civil Rights Act. Florida lawmakers will be voting on a law that would ban children under the age of 16 from using social media. That legislation has received bipartisan support so far in the Florida House, with some Democrats wanting to sharpen language around the bill. Under the proposed law, social media companies would also be required to end the accounts of minors within 90 days of knowing. Companies would also have to give a disclaimer about mental health effects of social media to children turning 16. 
Kristen Marks tells us Alec Baldwin is being charged again with involuntary manslaughter in the deadly shooting on the set of his film, Rust. The actor was indicted Friday after a New Mexico grand jury was presented evidence by special prosecutors. Baldwin was charged the first time one year ago. Prosecutors dropped that charge in April in part because Baldwin was charged under a law that didn't exist at the time. It was also revealed that one of the special prosecutors was also serving the New Mexico legislature. Cinematographer Helena Hutchins was killed after being shot with a prop gun held by Baldwin in 2021. Armorer Hannah Gutierrez-Reed is still facing involuntary manslaughter charges. Panera Bread's charge lemonade at the center of yet another lawsuit, a Delaware woman filing suit last week, alleging she now suffers long-term and permanent cardiac issues after drinking the caffeinated beverage. The lawsuit claims a woman drank two and a half charge lemonades and started then experiencing body shakes, heart palpitations, and apparently shortness of breath. She allegedly went to the ER and was treated for an irregular heartbeat, Two previous lawsuits blamed the charge lemonade for deaths of a Florida man and a college student. Aaron Rial tells us retail stores across the country are reversing course on self-checkout machines, saying they're a disaster for consumers and retailers alike. The biggest problem is theft. Shoppers are reportedly 21 times more likely to sneak items past machines than human cashiers, and consumers also constantly steal unintentionally because the self-checkout process can be so cumbersome. According to a survey from LendingTree, one in five shoppers reported they've accidentally stolen items during self-checkout, and one in seven say that they've stolen from self-checkout on purpose. Target, Walmart, and Dollar General are all pulling back from efforts to introduce more self-checkouts. The future of the iconic sports publication, Sports Illustrated, appears to be uncertain. According to the staff's union, possibly all the staff has been let go after Sports Illustrated's owner had its publishing license revoked. The sports magazine published its first issue all the way back in 1954. And the last time the Detroit Lions won a playoff game before this month was 1992 with Eddie Murray and Detroit's kicker, now the Michigan resident's daughter, Nicole is in her rookie season as a cheerleader, and he says he couldn't be more proud. Being a Detroit Lion was unbelievable, and the city of Detroit and the people in Michigan and the Fords and uh, Detroit Lions have been very kind to me. And I, I can't, I, for me to raise my family here and have everybody here today and to talk to you like this is a special moment. He won a Super Bowl kicking for the Dallas Cowboys after spending 12 seasons of the Detroit Lions, retiring back in 2000. The family stayed in Detroit, though, after he left the Lions. And his commitment to the city and the team grew in his retirement. Meanwhile, speaking of football, in the NFC, the Lions did beat the Buccaneers yesterday, 31-23. to The Chiefs edged out the Bills, 27-24. to On Saturday, in the AFC, the Ravens defeating the Texans, 34-10. to And the 49ers beating the Packers, 24-21. to This Sunday, Championship Sunday, this weekend, will feature San Francisco hosting Detroit and Kansas City visiting Baltimore. And Michael Kastner tells us it's about to cost more to send those letters through the mail. The United States Postal Service will increase the cost of a first-class forever U.S. postage stamp from the current 66 cents to 68 cents. Price of domestic postcard stamps will also rise from 51 cents to 53 cents, and stamps for international postcards will go up a nickel to $1.55. The Postal Service says these increases will help provide much-needed revenue. It is a Monday. Thanks for tuning in to EWTN. Check out all the great work at EWTN.com and, of course, our co-producer, Ave Maria Radio at AveMariaRadio.net. Up next, some guy named Ray Grandy. Grandy, that's who it is. Dr. Ray Grandy, his new book, Standing Strong, Good Discipline Makes Great Teens. Camille Pauly joining us after Dr. Ray. She's president and co-founder of Healing the Culture. And then... Always great to be studying and praying with Scripture. Gail Buckley helps us do that with Catholic Sutra Study International. And she has our Scripture Verse of the Week to wrap us out on a Monday. We'll be right back. Join us at the Maryville Retreat Center in Holly this Lenten season for a fabulous faith-filled February. We offer several occasions for you to find quiet, healing, and to help you encounter the Lord's merciful love. Father Jason Brooks will offer a multifaceted healing service. Father Craig Marion will give an intimate look into the healing power of forgiveness. And Teresa Tamio and her husband Deacon Dom will inspire couples to remember their love story and rekindle romance. For more information, visit MaryvilleRetreatCenter.org. Come visit and let God find you. 
Is there a universal call to prayer? The Catholic Catechism tells us man is in search of God. God, in the act of creation, called every being into existence from nothingness. Even after man sinned and lost his likeness to God, he remained an image of his Creator and never lost his desire for the one who called him into existence. All religions attest to man's essential search for God. The Catechism points out, however, that God calls us first to that mysterious encounter, prayer. God always initiates. Man's first step in the process is to respond. Prayer is a reciprocal call. Throughout the whole history of salvation, the covenant drama unfolds. The revelation of prayer in the Old Testament comes between the fall and the restoration of man. This is Peggy Stanton, and this has been the Order of Malta's Minute with the Catechism. When the need for senior care arises, home is where the heart is. Visiting Angels provides home care for mom or dad up to 24 hours per day, including personal care, meals, and light housework. You may select your professional caregiver with Visiting Angels. More information at visitingangels.com or at 877-374-LIVE. That's 877-374-LIVE. Visiting Angels, America's choice in senior home care. Dr. Ray Grundy and I will be part of the Good News Marriage Cruise, which leaves on Saturday from Port Canaveral. We will be there Friday, though, for an amazing talk by Dr. Scott Hahn and his beautiful wife, Kimberly. We'll open up the whole week. It's going to be exciting. And uh, Dr. Ray told me he has his sleeping bag ready to sleep in the Windjammer Cafe. On the top of the Adventure of the Seas, our cruise ship, his new book is Standing Strong, Good Discipline Makes Great Teens, published by EWTN. Hey, buddy. How are you? Good morning. Hey, Key. Morning. What's going on? Well, we're uh, we're sitting here in the midst of a lot of cold, so winter finally struck us. I know. Same thing here in Michigan. But the good news is, in our area, it's going up to, like, woohoo! it's going to feel really, like, crazy warm. It's going to go up to the 40s. But then when we were there in Florida on Friday, the Orlando, Cape Canaveral area, they said 81 degrees, my friend. I don't know what to do, T. I'm I'm so used to this white stuff. Yeah, you'll you'll handle it. All right, let's go to the most important thing on the agenda today, your new book, Standing Strong. You've written about teens before. What's different about this book? This one is a re-released update, uh, cleaned up. I, I took all the pictures out, T. I know you, you requested pictures, and I know you wanted your version to be scratch and sniff, but no, <laughs> this is just print. That's what it is. It's uh, 70 of the most common discipline questions parents ask me in that age range of about 11 to, well, teenagers sometimes go into 35, 36. Right, right. So how long have you been practicing as a psychologist slash therapist? And what changes, two questions, what changes have you seen in that time in terms of discipline and teens in particular? Huge. First of all, when I started, there weren't smartphones. And there were really not computers. So parents dealt with the actual peer culture on television, maybe somewhat music and peer groups. Well, now the huge thing is the way the culture can shape your kids right in your nose, right in your face, right in your house. So that's, a, that's big. The other thing that's huge is all the gender confusion. It was non-existent 10, 15 years ago, even the one I practiced. And now it's coming out of the woodwork everywhere. Parents are confused. They're scared. The other thing, T, is me, the experts, the shrink types. We're everywhere. We're we're diagnosing everything. We're giving all kinds of advice to parents, and their their heads are spinning. They're afraid of making mistakes. They're afraid of making bad judgments. And the people who listen to you, T, are good people. Mm-hmm. These are people trying to raise God-seeking kids, and they're the ones feeling most buffeted by the culture. So it's in a great, very easy-to-consume format. It's in the question-and-answer format, which is awesome. So in terms of this whole thing with gender ideology, I'm sure many parents come to you and are saying that these these students, especially if they're going to like a public school, but it's happening more and more even in in private schools and Catholic schools, seeing a friend claiming that, you know, they identify instead of a girl as a boy or instead of a boy as a girl, and you, you want to be loving to that person, but you also want to make sure that they understand 
that this is wrong and this is not humanly possible. And how do you how do you help parents advise teens to deal with what they're seeing on this issue? The parents have been hit with a narrative, and this is part of what I call parenting by fear tea. And it isn't just the gender issue. It's a lot of things. Parents are just afraid if they make a wrong move that psychologically speaking, their kid's going to be a misfit on some TV show 12 years from now. So given that, I always tell the parents, you got to find out where is this coming from. If your 13-year-old says, I'm, I'm not comfortable in my own body and here's what I think I am, you need to explore who she hanging with. Mm-hmm. You need to explore definitely the amount of social media. Social media just shapes these kids, flat out shapes them. All kinds of information and research is coming out that says this. You need to find out where the confusion is coming from. You know, T, you know all these stats. Most mm-hmm. kids will return to their original sex if you just give them some good guidance right. on this. So, But what's happened is that parents have been told if you do not flow with this, then your child is a higher suicide risk, which is exactly the opposite. Opposite, The high right. suicide mm-hmm. risk is post-gender reassignment. So given all that, it's what I call the parenting in fear. And the book is re- – I never thought I'd have to write a book to get parents to feel like parents again. Your mom, everything's coming up, Rosie, that sweet little book you wrote. Mm-hmm. Your mom didn't sit there and go, oh, gosh, I wonder if I'm being psychologically correct. <laughs> what will the experts say about this? Heck no. I'm sure same for your mom, too, right? She she messed you up on her own. She didn't need the experts to help mess you up. Well, she didn't take any nonsense from us. I mean, she spoke her mind, and and she let us know who was boss. Now, I was the one, I was the youngest of three girls. I always pushed the envelope, but, you know, she was there to to reel me in. And I I think parents have to understand that the kids do respect the discipline at the end of the day. They're going to give you a hard time, they're going to push, but they're going to respect it at the end of the day eventually. I just saw a fascinating study. It was in first thing. Just saw it yesterday. This guy, forget where, what university he was from, so you got to figure he probably wasn't biased toward traditional values. He said that he found that children raised in conservative homes. Yep, I saw that. Mm-hmm. You saw that, T? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Less mental health issues, more content with life than those not. And that would make sense. It's like... It's like saying that all the people who came before us didn't know anything. Mm-hmm. They had no wisdom. They had no experience. No, we're, we're the enlightened ones now. We have new and improved psychological techniques, and we're just going to apply them all. I'm not arguing against them, T. I'm a shrink. So, so, yeah, I give parents guidance. However, the key is not so much that I am the guru who has the enlightened path to perfect parenting. The key is I got some ideas. You check them out, see what you think, see how they fit in your home with your morals. Here's a question, though. By the way, we're talking with Dr. Ray Grundy. His latest book is actually a revised version of an earlier book of Discipline for Teens. The title is Standing Strong, Good Discipline Makes Great Teens. We only have about two minutes left. Maybe we could pick up the rest of this discussion because it's super important. So you mentioned the whole gender ideology thing, which is huge. Now, there are all kinds of laws that are restricting good folks, professionals like yourself, even if you're not coming at it from a Catholic perspective or a religious perspective, just a common sense perspective, from trying to get to the bottom of a young person claiming that they're a girl when they're really a boy or vice versa, saying that it's discriminatory, you can't do this, you could lose your license. So how do parents go about finding the good therapists like you who are going to deal with reality? They basically have to interview the therapist now. Try I tell parents, you call them. If that therapist is willing to talk to you, find out how they look at this, what they're practicing from, what's their worldview, what's their theoretical orientation. If that therapist is not willing to talk to you, cross them off the list. Is it becoming more of an issue for your profession to be able to speak the truth about this? Yes, it is. That is absolutely true. Psych 101 says peers influence teens tremendously. Psych 101 says that peers and teens tend to follow the crowd. Psych 101 says adolescence is a time of confusion. Psych 101 says that media really affects girls more than boys. That's all Psych 101, but we're ignoring all of it as professionals. And and I'm hoping that we start to get a more measured view of this, T, 
Now, you're saying in the book that the teenage years, and I think some parents will probably roll their eyes, full of life, enthusiasm, energy, and laughter, we need to enjoy them. But right now, there's so many struggles. How do we get back to enjoying our kids? You've got to be the parent in your own home. If you have the confidence of a parent, a loving, strong confidence, and it's not tough love. I tell parents this. It is not tough love. It is love. So if you have that kind of confidence as a parent, and if you're willing to stand against that culture no longer on your side, your kids will benefit, T. That's where you go. By the way, if they want a copy of the book, discounted and signed, go to my website, drray.com. Awesome. DrRay.com. More with Dr. Ray. Standing Strong, Good Discipline Makes Great Teens, published by EWTN. We'll be right back on a Monday. Stay tuned. Dr. Ray Grindy, of course, host here at EWTN. The doctor is in. Standing strong, good discipline, makes great teens, and you can get a copy, a signed copy, on sale. I never met a sale I didn't like at drray.com. Again, standing strong, good discipline, makes great teens. Now, Ray, there's so much information out there in the culture and the media, and pretty quickly, though, if you were a parent concerned about this issue, you could find a lot of folks now who once supported gender ideology who are totally come around and realize that it's just wreaking havoc with everyone, not just young people, but all of us. And, for example, in some of these super, even more progressive countries in Europe, they've totally shut down these so-called transitional surgeries or these mutilation surgeries, especially where kids are involved. It's happened in Great Britain. It's happened in Norway. It's happened in other places as well. But the problem is, is that the media... Overall, I mean, the bigger networks don't cover it, but the information is there, and this is something that they need parents need to be aware of. Eighteen countries now, T, have said that we will not do gender, and they call it affirming surgery, uh, or or sex change to minors. Yeah, that's they, they've decided that. Wait a minute, we we got to look at this a little more closely. It uh, it was a juggernaut that got into motion sociologically before we got a chance to, to, to look at it with a little bit more scrutinizing eyes. How are we doing with the social media aspect and the smartphone aspect? Because that not only takes away their time and, and forms their minds and, and their opinions, but there's information that shows it actually can change uh, the structure. It, it could change you physically in your brain. Of course it does. The brain is plastic. The brain responds, makes adjustments to what comes into it. And if you have that kind of relentless stimulation, that kind of uh, relentless universal barrage that kids have never been exposed to in human history, the brain is going to react. See, you know this because you know these stats. What's the Mm -hmm. average age of a smartphone now? The kid gets one. Probably, I would say, eight. Yeah, you're right. It's eight Mm -hmm. or nine. Mm -hmm. Now, what do you suppose, if a lot of your parents listening right now, if you have a 13-year-old and that 13-year-old doesn't have a smartphone, what do you suppose the percentage that the parent is in? Oh, the parents who are not allowing them to have a cell phone? Yeah. Oh, I'd say maybe 10%? Probably under 5. Yeah. Oh, really? Under 5? Yeah. Wow. Think, think about the strength you've got to have as a parent to stand up against that tsunami. Think about it. That's, that's why the book's title Standing Strong, because it's, you've got to have confidence in your judgment that in the long run, even though in the short run, you may have one discontented, unhappy kid on your hand, at least regarding a smartphone, in the long run, it's going to be better for your kid to balance this out. Unfortunately, it's called, you know, social norming. T, you know what that is, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. People look around you and say, well, okay, that's what everybody's doing. It must be normal. No, no. A lot of Bishop Sheen had a great line. I, you, probably, you probably know what he says. Right is right even if no one is right, Right. and wrong is wrong even if everyone is wrong. Mm -hmm. So given that, this this is something parents have never really had to deal with before in terms of navigating these years. You know, you said that it seems kind of ironic for me to say, well, you know, these teen years, they can be very enjoyable. And they truly can. Where you're sitting right now, T, 100 years ago, was there a farm sitting there? Probably, yeah. Do you think that farmer, when his kid turned 14, got all shook up and said, oh, boy, these teen years, 
I got to just endure him, boy. This is going to be rough. Do you think he mm-hmm. said that? No. No, he was ecstatic that that boy was 14. Right. So my point is that the teen years are more cultural than developmental. Certainly, certainly changes take place in the body. But the culture is what really comes at teens, giving them all kinds of options and choices. And mommy and daddy are kind of standing in the way saying, wait a minute, that's not a good place to go. And the teen looks around, sees all the kids going, wait a minute, they're gone there. What's with you? How would I get stuck with you, Neanderthals? Mm-hmm. And that's where a lot of the friction comes in. Well, how many times did your mother say to you growing up, and my mother, Rosie, right, she'd say, if all the kids jumped off a bridge, are you going to jump too? How many times did I hear that growing up? But it's true, right? Well, the interesting thing about that, you never know the T, the kids, they never cite the kids who they think has it worse. You know, Dad, Madge makes his, Madge makes his self do the chores for two hours before he's allowed to go out on Saturday. Mm-hmm. You know, they're never going to cite a kid like that. What about the argument that kids need to learn how to navigate the technology today? If you don't give them a phone, they're never going to learn. Your response to that? This is part of the bigger mantra that is totally fallacious. You can't protect them forever. That's a real world out there. They're going to be exposed to it. they got to know how to deal with it. And I always tell parents that's true. But you want to protect them for a while so that when they do have to deal with it, they're 13 and they're not 9. Right. That's the difference. Parents always used to know that one of their prime duties was to protect. Now we've taken protection and put it on its head, which is if you protect, now you're being artificial. Your kids are going to rebel, and they're going to hate the fact that you protected them from a lot of this stuff that they wanted to take part in. You know what's so interesting, and I'm sure you see this, and by the way, you recognize the voice we're talking with, Dr. Ray Garendi, his book, Good Discipline Makes Great Teens Standing Strong. You can get a discounted copy signed on his website, drray.com. Even if the kids do get a lot of toys, whether it be for their birthday or Christmas, and they're technology-related, to me, I've seen it time and time again when my nieces and nephews were little. Now they have children of their own. And even now with my grandnieces, I was talking about the twins, uh, Frankie and Lily, during the break, and a funny incident I had with them uh, two weeks ago. But even with all the things they received for Christmas, much of them technology-related, you know what we played with on Christmas Day? A giant cardboard coloring book. It was a giant cardboard house that you build, and there's all these cute little scenes of families going into the house, and you have to color it. That's what we did. We didn't play with, I don't know, one of their like toys that spoke and had batteries or whatever it was. They, they actually went toward the coloring. Coloring. A cardboard box, basically. Gee, when you were little, you played with rocks. You know that? You well, I'm not quite first, that old. <laughs> you had that first dirt load come in. Hey, yeah, bring that the first load of dirt. Bring it. Dump it over there. I know it. The problem is, again, what happens to the parent who doesn't do that at Christmas? Their, their relatives question them. Maybe their mother or father questions them. Here's this parent looking like I'm standing out here all alone because I didn't get my nine-year-old the latest, greatest technology right. when all of her cousins got it. That's true. That's, that's so much now the strength that parents have got to have. Well, folks can do what they want, but you're going to do what you want, you know, right? If they're all for a quote-unquote choice. And in the end of the day, spending less time with the media is never going to hurt anybody. Parents will ask me, T, they'll say, what's the one thing I can do? The one single thing I can do that will most sabotage my parenting. Oh, that's simple. Get them a smartphone too early. Mm -hmm. That's, That's very, very simple. The question is not going to be when it's going to cause problems, if it's going to cause problems, but when it's going to cause problems. Right. Well, thanks for this, Ray, and thanks for offering a discounted copy, updated book from our own Dr. Ray Grundy here, of course, on EWTN, Global Catholic Radio Network. The doctor is in, and he will be in and on the cruise ship, and he'll be sleeping in the Windjammer Cafe. So those of us who are going on the cruise kind of have to step over him because he's bringing a sleeping bag to the, uh, the buffet up in the top deck. Anyway, Ray, can't wait to see you and Randy. I want to hear all about your experience in Italy. I kept telling you to go, and you finally went. We have a lot to talk about. Dr. Ray Grundy, the book is Good Discipline Makes Great Teens Standing Strong. Check it out on his website, a signed copy and discounted, drray.com. We'll be right back.
day of prayer for the unborn in the One Holy Catholic and Apostolic Church, the anniversary of Roe v. Wade, the 1973 decision that gave us until 2022, thanks be to God, it was overturned, abortion on demand through nine months of pregnancy. Now, we did have a guest scheduled for today, but unfortunately, she's nowhere to be found, which happens sometimes. However, there's a lot to discuss. I want to encourage you to, if you haven't seen any of the coverage, so please check it out on the EWTN's Facebook page, also all the great articles on the Register and Catholic News Agency. I've got a lot of them posted on my Facebook page at Mrs. Teresa Tamio. There's a link on EWTN's Facebook page. You can watch the marches from over the weekend, the March for Life from D.C. on Friday, and then on Saturday, of course, the Walk for Life West Coast. So I just wanted to kind of share, uh, since we lost our guest, we'll rebook with her at some point, important message that they're working on and reaching out to the young people, which is huge. Just my own thoughts and reflections on the march. And some people wonder, why are we still doing this year after year after year? And even though many of the events are now taking place stateside, where the March for Life are taking place, for example, we had a big one in Lansing, Michigan, our state capital in November, and they're having state marches all over the country. Why do we need to keep having these national, or in the case of D.C., international marches? Because it's super important to come together. I was talking about this with Anna Mitchell on the Sunrise Morning Show this morning. For that support and to see what other people are doing and to remind us, to remind us that we are not alone. I love the statement that my friend Lewis Brown the executive director of the Christ Medicus Foundation, put out on Friday. And he was, by the way, on our coverage in studio being interviewed uh, back in the D.C. offices on Friday. The March for Life, he said, has always been a joy-filled and determined movement. Perhaps it is because men, women, teens, and children brave freezing temperatures, and boy, that was the case on Friday, and march for something, for someone, not against something. And listen to this. There is no greater love demonstrated than when a person marches, speaks, advocates for someone else and has absolutely nothing to gain by doing so. Lewis Brown goes on to say, we're in the midst of two year in the post-Dobbs era and the onslaught of anti-life rules, regulations, bills and constitution amendments continue to grow. The other side is emboldened, confident, creative, daring. And they are pushing the limits even by their own standards. But God is with us, he says. The new battleground for the pro-life movement includes protecting the medical conscience and religious freedom rights of pregnancy clinics, pro-life medical centers, and pro-life faith-based hospitals. The rights of medical professionals, the dignity of health and safety of vulnerable patients and their families are at stake with new proposals by the Biden administration. The civil right of medical conscience safeguards the obligation of medical professionals and healthcare entities to, no, to do no harm to their patients. Medical conscience rights ensure that healthcare professionals and healthcare entities exercise their ethical and moral convictions in providing care, thereby protecting vulnerable patients from unethical and harmful procedures. Going forward, he says, we who believe in equal human dignity under the law must stand up to defend and protect medical conscience and religious freedom rights. We must stand up to oppose federal and state efforts to shut down pro-life and faith-based health care in America. The battle for a culture of life and health care, one that protects, defends, and cares for the dignity of all persons, from conception to natural death, continues. So we march on. Very powerful statement. Keep marching on. The March for Life continues. That was from Lewis Brown, Executive Director of the Christ Medicus Foundation. And we do keep marching. And this one point in the first paragraph of his statement is so well said. We are marching for something, for someone, not against something. No greater love demonstrated than when a person marches, speaks, advocates for someone else and has absolutely nothing to gain by doing so. And that is so true. Why would you go and stand in the freezing cold or the pouring rain? Freezing cold on Friday in D.C., pouring rain in San Francisco on Saturday. You could be home watching it in the comfort, right, and warmth of your home. And look at Coach Jim from U of M. He could be sitting back or be down in Florida or the Caribbean enjoying his victory. Sure, he's getting inundated with all kinds of offers. But instead, he goes to the March for Life on Friday in the freezing cold. Surprise guest, surprise speaker. And then marches. And he says it's the most important issue. All these other issues, whether it's health care, immigration, 
They don't matter if you're dead. Everything comes from life. And this is why we march. One of the most inspiring talks came from a young man who's the president of the Students for Life chapter at Penn State University in State College, Pennsylvania. My husband is a proud Nittany Lion, a graduate from 1980, and was thrilled to see this young man speaking. His name is also Dominic, believe it or not, and I really thought his speech hit home and not only expressed what a lot of people, I'm sure young people at the college level are feeling, but all of us who stand up for life. We often feel alone. We get pushback. We get the dirty looks. We get the roll of the eyes. We get the nasty emails and the comments on Facebook. But we march on and we speak up for life. Take a listen to his talk at the rally on Friday. My name is Dominic Tolentino, and I'm the president of the Students for Life chapter up at Penn State University. Go Nittany Lions! I've been given the privilege to talk to you all on this amazing day that will happen every year until abortion is made unthinkable in this country. A little bit about Penn State Students for Life. We are a small but committed club in promoting a culture of life over a culture of death on campus. In the past two years, it has been a mission of ours to help out the local State College Pregnancy Resource Center. We have been fortunate enough to build close relations with the staff and volunteers who constantly provide our local community with free services for women and children. And this is just one of the many ways we stay active in this fight to end abortion. My story is not one involving a direct connection to abortion. Instead, it involves a normal college student who has fears and worries of knowing that I have different beliefs than most of the students on campus. It is knowing that people will call me insensitive and that due to my gender, I cannot have a say on this matter. It is knowing I may lose friends when they find out that I am unapologetically pro-life. These fears and worries run through my head almost on the daily. However, more than that, the importance of the sanctity of life outweighs any fear or worry I may have. The discomfort of speaking up against the societal norm slowly gets chipped away as I remind myself that I fight for the life of the child to begin and to let the mother know that her life is just as precious and cared for as the unborn baby. And so I urge you all, I urge my generation to not stay stagnant, to not turn a blind eye, because your voice matters, and you are not alone in this fight. You have a community filled with people who will stand right behind you. And if not, be that community for those to come to. Instead of running away from fear or complacency, run towards it. Use that energy as a fight. Use that energy as the will to fight for the burning love for the child and mother. Let us show the world our radical love for something that should be the norm. Let us show the world that abortion is not the answer, as it, only, as it does not produce love, it only produces death. Until the day that abortion is gone, let us never let the world forget the importance of the sanctity of life and the protection it deserves. And now, before I go, as some of you might know, there is only one way a Penn Stater ends a speech. Now, when I say we are, I want you all to respond with pro-life. We'll do it three times, and at the end, I will say thank you, and you all will say you're welcome. Do you think we can do that? All righty. We are! We are! We are! Thank you! Wow, a young college student standing up there in front of thousands of people talking about the pressure that he is under to be the president of the pro-life chapter at Penn State University in State College, Pennsylvania. And he's actually mentioning many things that all of us go through as pro-lifers, right? We probably lost friends. I know I have. We probably uh, feel discomfort, whether it be in person, whether it be on the phone, whether it be in social media, emails, etc., 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 even in church, right? How many fellow Catholics do we know that don't agree with the church on abortion issues and make excuses and, and compartmentalize? And we are, as he said, often called insensitive. We're not understanding the plight of the woman. And yet the theme for this year was with every woman for every child. And almost every person that I interviewed on Friday 
had something in some way to do with ministries that were related to helping both the woman and child. It is the exact opposite of what the culture, what the pro-aborts, what Planned Parenthood say. They're the ones who are not there for the women. They're the ones who only give women one choice. They're not about choice. The only choice is abortion. We're the ones who are caring for women, even if they have an abortion, with post-abortion healing. And now, given the fact with these abortion pill combinations that they can get at home in the mail, their own home is becoming the abortion mill. And so we, too, in the pro-life movement, are dealing with and helping women overcome the hurt the psychological damage, the emotional damage, the spiritual damage through Project Rachel and Rachel's Vineyard and other pro-life post-abortion ministries. Not to mention the physical problems that they have after abortions, whether it be at home or in an abortion facility. We are pro-life and we do and must continue, no matter what, to march on in the rain, in the snow, Kind of like the post office, right? You always hear that, the rain, snow, sleet, whatever. So we march on. We support each other, and most important, we support life for every woman with every child. By supporting EWTN, Ave Maria Radio, all of our affiliates, you are supporting life. Let's march on. We'll be right back. Would you get on a plane that doesn't have a pilot? Investing in passive index mutual funds may present the same issue. The Ave Maria mutual funds are actively managed by seasoned investment professionals to help you meet your investment goals in a morally responsible way. Ave Maria funds are managed to conform to pro-life and pro-family values. Long-term investors could invest in the no-load Ave Maria mutual funds. You can learn more about the Ave Maria mutual funds at 866-AVE-MARIA or visit AveMariaFunds.com. When is the last time you said, I love you to someone? One Valentine's Day, I misplaced the cards I purchased for my husband and daughter. I searched for them and prayed to St. Anthony to find them, but no luck. That morning, when I noticed my husband had purchased cards for both me and my daughter, I decided to grab some pink construction paper and a red marker and create my own cards, one for each of them. I not only wanted to tell them in the cards that I loved them, but I wanted to tell them how much I love them and why I love them so much. I drew a heart and inside I wrote all the reasons why I loved my husband. I did the same for my daughter. I then realized that God loves us not for specific reasons. He loves us because we are His. He loves us despite our flaws. He loves us deeply and wants each of us to return back to Him in heaven. So whether our death is near or far, it is the love of God that leads us home. This has been a Christ Center communication message. I'm Vanessa Dunhagarmo, a communications evangelist and host of Epiphany. This program is brought to you in part by Charity Mobile, a proud partner of Ave Maria Radio for over 15 years. Charity Mobile is the pro-life cell phone company and has sent nearly $2 million to thousands of pro-life charities. 4G LTE coverage is available nationwide, and 5% of your monthly plan price goes to your favorite pro-life charity. A video introduction is available at CharityMobile.com. Charity Mobile, everyday living, effortless giving. CharityMobile.com. Almost 53 minutes past the hour. Glad to have Gail Buckley back with us. And I know she's suffered from that uh, cold that we all had. I had it. She had it. Peter Herbeck, Al Cresta, and so many others. But we're glad she's back with us. Okay, what's our scripture verse for today, my dear? Okay, it's from 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. And it says, I urge then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all people. You know, as Catholic Christians, one of the most important things that we can do, if not, I think, the most important, is to pray. And and praying for others is especially important. And, you know, God wants us to pray for our needs, but the Bible makes it clear that God wants us to pray for others as well. And St. Paul prays for believers to be filled with the fruit of righteousness and to bear fruit in every good work. And so I think when we pray, you know, for our friends' intentions, we should also ask God to use them to produce fruit that glorifies Him. You know, we should pray for God to open doors of opportunity to bless their labor. And I was just thinking, Teresa, how much more effective our evangelization efforts would be if we not only pray for ourselves and our, you know, what we're doing, 
But if we supported each other's ministries and each other's abilities to reach others with the gospel, you know, by praying for that, you know, specifically. And, you know, it's very difficult to live in the world and be good witnesses for God Mm -hmm. at all times. But, you know, this is why prayer is so important. You know, we need to be in constant contact with God, and we know from Scripture that we can do nothing without Him. So we need to not only pray, you know, that God will help us live according to His will and and do the right things and to follow His will, but we also need to pray for our friends, and not just our friends, but the Bible tells us also pray for our enemies. And I know this, for me, that can be really difficult, Mm -hmm. uh, especially... Mm -hmm. You know, praying for those people that mock God and are so mean-spirited. And, you know, it's really hard, but God commands us to do that. And if we love God, we need to to love our enemies and love everybody else and do what He wants us to do. So, you know, I don't do it as often as I should, but, you know, I know that I should, and so I do it sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, we have, you know, we have great examples in Scripture about praying for us. Um, you know, Moses prayed for God to forgive the Israelites, you know, when they were so stiff-necked and all, you know, for their iniquities, and and uh, God forgave them. And remember, you know, that Job um, prayed for his friends who were persecuting him, you know, blaming him for his saying God was doing all this stuff to him because he was, you know, sinful. And God, you know, asked Moses to pray for his friends, and he did. And then God said he was going to reward him, with, you know, give him twice as much as he had lost. So I'm not saying we should be praying to you know for our friends to be rewarded, but you know we need to pray for others and pray for their efforts and pray for our enemies. And I want to add that this year for a New Year's resolution that my husband and I decided that we would pray for people in purgatory. And so what we did is we asked God to give us names. Oop, of we got to go, but a great idea, Catholic Scripture Study, Gail Buckley. Pray, pray, pray without ceasing, as we see in Scripture, not only in Thessalonians but elsewhere. Talk to you tomorrow. You've been listening to Catholic Connection with Teresa Tamio. Catholic Connection is a co-production of Ave Maria Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Our producer is Andrew Kruchek. For copies of this program or for more information, visit AveMariaRadio.net. That's A-V-E-MariaRadio.net. Thanks for listening and join us next time for another edition of Catholic Connection.